When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Betfred Sports. My name is Zach Kroll. I'm your host, and this is the show where we talk all things college basketball from now until the end of the season. The final four, the road will end there in Atlanta. And after a crazy weekend of college basketball, we have a ton of things to talk about with you guys. And it's Monday. We are fresh off a crazy Sunday of college basketball. And I know primarily, especially during this time of year, everyone's focus on Sundays is the NFL. And it was a wild Sunday in the NFL. The Bengals come up with a big win over the Chiefs. Unfortunately, Jimmy Garoppolo, he is now out for the season with a broken foot. But while that NFL action was going on, and really just from a bigger picture, just the whole weekend, there are a ton of results in college basketball that I wanted to react to. And that's exactly what we are going to do on this podcast today. And we even had some games in conference play going on. I hinted at that a little bit on last week's show that the Pac-12, they kicked off. We had the Big Ten in action, and we are going to get to that. There are also some matchups this week uh, that I'm really looking forward to. And there are a few teams I wanted to hit on specifically as well. So without further ado, it's time to kick off the show. And the first team I wanted to talk about, you guessed it, the North Carolina Tar Heels. And the Tar Heels, it's important to remember with this team, if you're just starting to watch the sport of college basketball now and don't remember what happened with North Carolina last season, I'm not sure that there are a ton of people in that position, but you never know. College basketball is a great sport. There are a ton of people maybe that just started watching this season. And North Carolina last season, they had some expectations, even though it was the first year of the Hubert Davis era, and they got off to a really bad start. And there were legitimate questions being asked. Are the North Carolina Tar Heels even going to make the NCAA tournament? They didn't have a single quadrant one victory until the middle of February, where ironically enough, they actually won at Virginia Tech, and that's who they played and lost to on Sunday. We're going to get into the whole game. But all of a sudden, North Carolina just flipped the switch and they started playing their best basketball at the of the season at the perfect time. And we know what happened. They go all the way to the national championship game and they suffer a narrow loss to Kansas. But they did return four of their five starters from that team with the only guy lost being Brady Maddock. But so far this season, 
after North Carolina was the preseason number one ranked team in the country, the Tar Heels, after nine games, are five and four, and their best win is probably over the College of Charleston. And I wanted to give a shout out to Pat Kelsey and the job that he's done at Charleston so far this season. But if the NCAA tournament started today, and it doesn't, there's still plenty of time uh, if North Carolina wants to, to to turn things around. But maybe there is. Well, we're going to get into it all. And North Carolina, they lost to Iowa State. They lost to Alabama. They lost to Indiana. They lost to Virginia Tech. That is now their fourth loss in a row. And while none of those teams are particularly bad, as a matter of fact, I think all four of those teams are going to be NCAA tournament teams. If you are the number one ranked team in the country in the preseason and you have any fight, you have to find a way to win at least one of those games. And the Alabama game was really concerning, right? Because North Carolina loses that game in four overtimes. And But it's not only the fact that they lost, it's just the late game execution was so bad. And especially for a team that made a deep NCAA tournament run last year, that's what's really concerning with this North Carolina team. In big moments, they just look lost. Kind of similar to Kentucky after uh, we spoke about them against Gonzaga a few weeks ago. They just have these deer-in-the-headlights moments that makes you question, like, what is going on? And I know that in this game against Virginia Tech, Armando Baycott, he didn't play. He's banged up, and that's a huge loss. UNC ended up losing to Virginia Tech 80-72, to but honestly, it didn't really seem that close. Virginia Tech was up by 10 at half. Uh, Justin Mutz, the former Delaware transfer, he has the game of his life, putting up 27 points and 11 rebounds for the Hokies in this one. And I do think Mike Young, he's very quickly becoming one of the more underrated coaches in all of college basketball. And that looks like a great, great decision by Virginia Tech following the exit of Buzz Williams to bring him in. But they beat North Carolina yesterday. Baycott didn't play, I get it. But North Carolina just didn't have any fight in them. And I did say, if the tournament started today, North Carolina wouldn't be in, but there's still plenty of time for them to turn things around. And while there is, one thing that's against North Carolina right now is the fact that the ACC as a conference, it's really down. And the ACC, they started conference play this past weekend with North Carolina in action against Virginia Tech. But we had some other results as well. Notre Dame who had a really impressive win in the Big Ten ACC Challenge over Michigan State, they followed that up by losing to Syracuse. NC State, who had a really impressive battle for Atlantis, they competed with Kansas. They beat Dayton. They beat Butler. But NC State, they kick off ACC play by losing at home to Pittsburgh. You also have Wake Forest. This isn't a terrible loss, but they lose to Clemson on the road to kick off ACC play when they were fresh off a big time win in the Big Ten ACC challenge over Wisconsin. And then you just have teams like Florida State and Louisville who are look like two of the worst teams in college basketball right now. Those two teams are combined one and 17, one win and 17 losses for Louisville and Florida State. I never thought it would be possible for those two teams to be this bad, but here we are. The point is, though, how this pertains to North Carolina. They lost basically their first three big, important non-conference games to Iowa State, Alabama, and Indiana, and they lose to Virginia Tech to kick off ACC play. Now, North Carolina will have two more opportunities during non-conference play against Ohio State and against Michigan. Both those games will be on neutral floors, but the Michigan game will be 
in Charlotte, in the state of North Carolina. And I'm going to say it right now. Both of those games, North Carolina has to win. If they lose both of those games, I think it's pretty unlikely UNC is making the NCAA tournament. I would say they do not make the tournament. But if they split, you never know. I think that would leave the path right in front of UNC going into ACC play. They definitely need at least one of them. If they win both, you're feeling good. But Ohio State and Michigan on the 17th and the 21st, both those games are on neutral floors. I'm telling you, those are games North Carolina has to win because in the ACC, aside from Duke, aside from Virginia, there aren't that many opportunities for victories that are really going to move the needle for you in a major way. And one concern I have for North Carolina, and this is something that I think really started to catch up to them last year, is their bench. If you remember, their nickname was the Iron Five, the starting lineup of Love and R.J. Davis and Leaky Black and Brady Manick and Armando Baycott. They were basically playing 35-plus minutes a night in the NCAA tournament. While Puff Johnson did give them a little bit, there just wasn't enough bench production and Ultimately, I think that cost them in the national championship game against Kansas when Armando Baycott was just clearly banged up. He clearly wasn't himself. And even on a bum ankle, he still had a double-double, just an unreal performance. But this year, North Carolina, I was expecting a little bit more from their bench just because they didn't really have any other choice. And they had guys, right? Seth Trimble is a really talented young freshman. I like Dontre Styles. It's unfortunate. DeMarco Dunn, he just got hurt. but. He's going to be out for the for the future, which is unfortunate. Justin McCoy, like, I'm not expecting these guys to be big-time producers, but they should just be able to give you something. They're still basketball players at the University of North Carolina, and still Hubert Davis could just get nothing from his bench. If you look at North Carolina's production in this game against Virginia Tech, they had a couple starters play decent Pete Nance with 18, Caleb Love with 18, RJ Davis with 18. But Seth Trimble, he gives you six points off the bench. And Tyler Nickel, he gave you eight points off the bench. This was really the first time this season that North Carolina has gotten something significant off the bench. And if this team wants to win games, that's something going forward that needs to happen. And I know Armando Baycott, again, he was banged up in this game without him. It's going to be really tough for this North Carolina team. But one injury when you're thin, that could really expose your lack of depth sometimes. And I'm really hoping that doesn't cost North Carolina here with Armando Baycott. You got to hope he's in the lineup sooner rather than later. Right now, it does look like his uh, timetable to return is unclear. Heading into the game Sunday, it wasn't really known to be a major injury. But Baycott wasn't war- uh, was warming up and still... Uh, He didn't play against Virginia Tech, which is a tough loss. North Carolina will be in action again against Georgia Tech in ACC play. That game will be on Saturday. So uh, North Carolina will have a little bit of time off here until they host Georgia Tech on Saturday. And if they lose that game, you could just end the season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline for North Carolina, a team that right now it's looking possible 
that they could go from preseason number one ranked team to missing the NCAA tournament. That's just a scary sight. And I do know there are going to be some North Carolina fans that have the mindset of, okay, things are really bad right now, but things were really bad last year and we were still able to turn it around. We were still able to make the final four. And while I'm not saying you should just quit on this season, if you're a North Carolina fan, I think it's also unreasonable to expect a team to do that twice in a two year span. And I'm and by no means Am I calling last year a fluke? Like, I still believe when everyone's on, North Carolina could still beat and compete with any team in the country. There's no doubt about that. But the way North Carolina is playing right now, they just have to be better, and they're not going to beat a lot of very good teams if this doesn't change. And part of me worries that the players might have a little bit of that attitude and mindset as well. If you're Caleb Love, if you're RJ Davis, if you're Armando Baycott, you have to be thinking at least a little bit of, okay, things might not be going good right now, but we changed, we turned it around last year. Why can't we do it again? And the players just cannot have that mindset. And if I'm Hubert Davis, that's something I'm really trying to harp home. We have to turn this thing around right now because, again, North Carolina, they really need these games against Ohio State, against Michigan, or else they could really be in jeopardy for missing the NCAA tournament, which is something a few years, a few weeks ago, if you would have told a North Carolina fan that, I don't think anyone would have ever believed it. So shocking news with North Carolina going down to Virginia Tech for their fifth consecutive loss. That is or fourth consecutive loss. Excuse me. That is just something you did not expect to happen with this North Carolina team going into the season. Again, the losses in terms of the teams they were against weren't terrible, right? Iowa State, Alabama, Indiana. But North Carolina didn't even put up a fight against Indiana. Indiana shot three of 19 from three in that game and still put up 77 points against the Tar Heels. I just thought UNC was better than this. I thought they had a little more fight. And the real preseason number one team in the country, they find a way to win at least one of those four games. And if North Carolina doesn't turn it around quick, they could be in major, major trouble. We said it in the beginning of the show, but it's just wild that conferences are already playing conference games in the first few days of December, but it's been a few years now since the Big Ten and now a couple other conferences have followed their lead. These leagues are really starting to play 20 uh, conference games, which really improves their team strength to schedule in the Power Sixes case. Uh, and hopefully the goal with that is to get as many teams into the NCAA tournament as possible. It's a little bit of an analytical cheat code, and I'm wondering if the committee will ever catch up to it. But anyways, there were a few results in the Big Ten uh, from this past weekend that I wanted to get to, one on Friday, one on Saturday. The first one is Maryland. They were ranked number 16 in the country, They or number 22 in the country, excuse me. They beat the number 16 ranked Illinois fighting Illini on Friday night, final score of 71 to 66. And I have to give a shout out to first year Maryland head coach, Kevin Willard, who currently has the Terps sitting at eight and zero, And that was already the third really impressive win for Maryland so far this season. And I'll say this, right? There's no doubt this Maryland team had talent. They had talent last year, even with Mark Turgeon, even with their season starting in just disastrous, disastrous fashion. Now, if you remember, Maryland actually won the Big Ten. They had a share of the Big Ten in 2020, and then the season gets shut down. And then in 2021, 
Mark Turgeon actually did a really nice coaching job getting that Maryland team that lost Anthony Cowan, that lost Jalen Smith to the NCAA tournament. But then to start off last year, things really just fell apart. And he said enough is enough and resigned with Danny Manning taking over for the rest of the season. And once Danny Manning took over, it was never really reasonable to expect anything from this Maryland team. But Kevin Willard comes in and he is able to retain some guys, Donta Scott and Hakeem Hart and Julian Reese, while bringing in other guys like Jameer Young and Don Carey in from the transfer portal. But I looked at this Maryland team. I didn't think they were going to be terrible this season. Willard is a good enough coach to at least give Mar- put Maryland above the basement of the Big Ten. But I didn't think this team was going to be anything special per se. And we're really seeing that as a trend, by the way, with these first year's year head coaches. A lot of the times, the reason why coaches get fired is because they actually are able to bring in talent, but they're just not able to win with it on the court. And for the new head coach, like if you're good enough to win and with talented players, you just got to keep them and you'll be good. And that's what Maryland really did. Kevin Willard keeps these guys. Just like Mike Woodson was able to keep Trace Jackson Davis, just like Xavier was able to keep Kobe Jones and Jack Nungy and those guys. So Kevin Willard keeps those guys and immediately Maryland is winning right away. That win over Illinois was so big. They go to one and zero in big 10 play. And for the Terrapins now, everything is right in front of them. The top of the big 10 has been better than I've expected. Really the big 10 as a league in general has been better than I expected, but Maryland is right in the thick of things. And I'll make a statement on Maryland. I think they're starting five, not their bench, just eliminate their bench because I think it's clear. Like the one concern you have with this Maryland team is their bench and their lack of depth. Like that could come back to bite them. But Maryland's starting five of Jameer Young, the Charlotte transfer, Don Carey, the Georgetown transfer, and then the three returnees, Hakeem Hart, Donta Scott, and Julian Reese. That might be top to bottom, the best starting five in the Big Ten. Julian Reese has a potential to be a first-round NBA draft pick. He's going to play in the NBA. He, right now, in a Big Ten league that is filled full of very good big men, he's pretty underrated. Uh, He's been really good this season. Right now, he's averaging 12.6 points per game and 7.8 rebounds per game. Donta Scott, he's been really impressive as well. In Maryland's uh, two victories in uh, Mohegan Sun against St. Louis, and Donta Scott in those two games, or excuse me, against Miami and St. Louis, Donta Scott in those two games in Mohegan Sun, he put up 49 points combined. He also put up 18 points against Louisville, 12 points in the win over Illinois. So Donta Scott, he's had some games so far this season where he's really stepped up, where he has really been the main primary reason why Maryland wins. But then on Friday night against Illinois in a game where Maryland controlled things for most of the time, but Illinois, they're a really good team as well. They were being competitive, keeping themselves in it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, It was Jameer Young, the Charlotte transfer, that came to play 
He finishes with 24 points on a pretty efficient 9 of 20 shooting from the field. He also shoots 4 of 9 from 3. And that was really just one of those games where Jameer Young wasn't going to let Maryland lose. Maryland actually had the ball up one with uh, under 30 seconds to, uh, to go. And he just hits a tough, tough jumper to put Maryland up by three and really ice the game for them. It was really impressive. 24 points scored by Jameer Young and Maryland ends up getting the W. And right now, when you look at Maryland, what they've done so far is really impressive. And they look like an NCAA tournament team. They look like a top 25 team. And right now they're going to be competing. It looks like at the top of the big 10, but let me tell you guys the next three games for Maryland at Wisconsin and Wisconsin deserves credit. They went into Marquette and Chucky Hepburn was the best player on the floor. He wouldn't let Wisconsin lose that game. The Badgers also have had some nice performances in the battle for Atlantis, they beat Dayton, they beat USC. So Wisconsin, we know they're no slouch. They're going to be really good. Maryland will also take on Tennessee at the Barclay Center. That's a neutral floor game. Tennessee, it's looking like with them, the game they lost to Colorado, that's looking like an outlier because really since that game, they've been blowing their opponents out. And Maryland will also host UCLA, a Bruin team that if you listen to the show, you guys know I'm really high on them. They've started off 2-0 in Pac-12 play with wins over Stanford and Oregon. So Maryland's a really good team. There's no doubt about it. And to start off this brutal four-game stretch with a victory against Illinois, that's huge. That is going to give them a lot of confidence going forward. But I'm just wondering, Maryland's next three games, at Wisconsin, neutral against Tennessee, home against UCLA. If Maryland could just find a way to go 2-1 and one in that stretch, I will be ready to say this team is legit. I'll be ready to say they are a Big Ten contender to win the whole Big Ten. They might even be if they don't go 2-1 and one in that stretch. But we're really going to find out soon just how good this Maryland team is. And the fact that we're already having this conversation about Maryland in Kevin Willard's first year, that's really impressive. And when Willard at Seton, was at Seton Hall, the knock on him was he, he was good enough to get teams to the NCAA tournament, but is he good enough to win and advance in the NCAA tournament? And that's a question that's still going to have to be answered right now. But the reason why Maryland is in such a good spot right now is because in the Mark Turgeon era, it was just disappointment after disappointment. Maryland felt like a team that always underachieved considering the talent they had. And right now, to start the Kevin Willard era, Maryland is overachieving with the talent they have. I know their starting five is really talented, but this was a team that was projected way closer to the bottom of the Big Ten prior to the start of the season than the top. And Kevin Willard, he's that dude. He's doing a great job with this Maryland team, especially after their 71-66 win over Illinois on Friday. In terms of the Illini, you guys know I was really high on them. I picked them to win the Big Ten in the preseason. And while this victory isn't ideal, or this game isn't ideal, I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world. Illinois' next two games will be at the Jimmy V Classic on Tuesday night against Texas. I will actually be there. Really looking forward to that one. The number two ranked Texas Longhorns taking on Illinois. And then the Illini will also host a pretty good Penn State team that I think is better than most people realize. Uh, Jalen Pickett, he's one of the better guards in the Big Ten. Micah Shrewsbury doing a pretty solid job in his second year there in Happy Valley. And Illinois will also take on their rival, Missouri, on a neutral four game. Now, Missouri 
They haven't really played anyone yet, but they're sitting at 9-0, and one of the last 13 remaining team, undefeated teams in college basketball. Now, that stretch will toughen up for Missouri a little bit. They'll play Kansas. They'll play Illinois uh, in the next few weeks, and we'll see, kind of like Maryland, just how good this Missouri team really is, and then they'll open up SEC play against Kentucky. So Missouri's a, a, another team that's going to be playing – in some pretty big games going forward, but shout out to Kevin Willard and the Maryland Terrapins for getting the job done on Friday night, starting their season, not only one and zero in the big 10, but eight and zero overall three wins over NCAA tournament teams, likely in St. Louis, Miami and Illinois, the Maryland Terrapins are a factor in the big 10. Watch out for them. Another team that we have to watch out for in the big 10, another team that's going to be a factor going forward in this league is the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, who beat Indiana on Saturday, 63-48. to And Steve Peichel just continues to do a really good job with this team. It doesn't matter that they lost Ron Harper. It doesn't matter that they lost Geo Baker. Rutgers still continues to win games, and they continue to do it, especially at the rack. Now, check out this stat. I wanted to give a shout-out to Heat Check. CBB for this note on Twitter. After Rutgers win over Indiana, they are now 10 and 3 since top 25 opponents at home since the start of the 2019-2020 season. And keep in mind during that 2020 season, like fans weren't even allowed in the building. So Rutgers at home has just been really really good lately, especially against good teams. Excuse me, if you are a ranked team, there is not a building you do not want to come in to more than the rack at Rutgers. That is just a very tough place to play. If you remember last season, Ron Harper, he hits that epic buzzer beater to lift Rutgers over Purdue. They've all last year, they also beat a ranked Illinois team. As a matter of fact, the last three times Illinois has come into the rack as a ranked team, they've lost. Illinois has not played well at Rutgers at all. They've also beaten Ohio State when they were ranked. They've also beaten Michigan State when they were ranked. They've beaten Maryland when they were ranked back in 2020. Rutgers at the rack is just a dangerous, dangerous team. And it's funny because Rutgers, they started 6-2. and two, But I think you two of the, those losses, like, they make sense considering they lost to Temple. And in that game, they were without Caleb McConnell, who I would make the argument might just be the best on-ball defender in all of college basketball. And in that game, they also didn't have Paul Mulcahy as well, who I think without Baker and without Ron Harper Jr., he was going to be put into a position to be that go-to scorer for the Scarlet Knights this season, along with McConnell, along with Cliff Morier. And he's been banged up. He's back in the lineup. He did play 24 minutes against Indiana, scored six points. So getting a healthy Paul Mulcahy back will be ideal for this Rutgers team but the guy I wanted to talk about for Rutgers in this game is freshman Derek Simpson who did play 26 minutes in this game but in the game before that against Miami he only played 10 minutes and scored two points in Rutgers lost to Temple he plays 33 minutes and only scores four points but this kid the freshman Derek Simpson was really the reason why Rutgers was able to get by Indiana he puts in 14 points shoots five of 13 from the field but hits two big three pointers two of five from three and helps Rutgers get the victory Andre Hyatt the LSU transfer he also finishes 
with 11 points in this one. And Cliff Amorier, he only played 19 minutes. He was dealing with foul trouble. So Rutgers is able to uh, withhold adversity and get this victory. And Steve Peichel, he continues to do a really good job with this Scarlet Knights program. And I think they're a tournament team. I think Rutgers is going to be a factor in the Big Ten just because, A, their home court advantage is just too good. If you're any team that has to go into the rack and try to win, you're not really going to be feeling confident about that. And looking at Rutgers' schedule, they will host Seton Hall. They will host Wake Forest. They will host Maryland comes to the rack. Iowa comes to the rack. Ohio State comes to the rack. Michigan State comes to the rack. You have Michigan coming to the rack. Like There are going to be some good teams coming to the rack to take on Rutgers. And you got to think Rutgers is going to win because Indiana, they were looking really good after that win in the Big Ten ACC Challenge over North Carolina. Assembly Hall was on fire. And it is a little bit of a letdown spot, right? Playing a Saturday afternoon game after that big of a win. Also, it should be noted that Indiana was missing Jordan hood Shelfino in this game, the freshman who really was one of Indiana's better players in that game against North Carolina. He doesn't play in this one. Also, Xavier Johnson, who's started off this season really nicely. He was not ideal for Indiana in this game. In 34 minutes, he finishes with eight points on two of 11 shooting. He also turned the ball over six times. That's just not going to win you a lot of games when you're getting that kind of play from your point guard. Miller Cop was really the primary reason Indiana was in this game. Uh, he finishes with 21 points on a career high, or tie for career high, five made threes for Miller Cop. So I don't think this is a panic situation for Indiana. They were due to play a bad game. It happens. And we will see the Hoosiers open or have their second Big Ten game of the season on Wednesday, hosting Nebraska. We'll get into the Cornhuskers a little bit later. They had a big victory this weekend over Creighton. But then Indiana, their next two games after Nebraska, they will have Arizona on a neutral floor in Vegas. That game will be on Saturday. And then the following Saturday, the 17th, they will go on the road to Kansas to take on the Jayhawks in Allen Fieldhouse. That is not going to be an easy game. The next two, three games aren't going to be easy for Indiana at all. That's why it was very important for them to get that North Carolina game. But shout out to Rutgers. What a performance on Saturday. The Rack is just an incredibly hard place to play, especially when you're coming into that building as a ranked team. So two teams in the Big Ten, excuse me, that made just big-time statements this past weekend. You have Rutgers and Maryland. Those two teams are better than people expected, and those are going to be two teams to watch out for. The other result quickly I wanted to get to in the Big Ten, Michigan State last night, they lose to Northwestern. And here's the thing, right? I love the logic that Tom Izzo used when it came to the reason why he decided not to go to the transfer portal because he really liked the group he was bringing back. And there are pieces on this Michigan State team I really like, right? I really like Tyson Walker. I really like A.J. Hogarth. I really like Jay Nakins uh, when he's healthy. But when one of those guys gets hurt, you just don't have a lot of depth. And all of a sudden, Madi Sissoko which looks much, play, much closer to the player he was last year opposed to the player we saw earlier this season just dominate Gonzaga and play really well against Kentucky. And the lack of depth is really showing for Michigan State in this game. Jackson Kolar, he had to play 13 minutes in this one, which isn't ideal. Suzuko only plays 24. And for Chris Collins, that's not a victory over, you know, a vintage Michigan State team. But this is now the third year in a row 
Northwestern has actually found a way to beat Michigan State. And I think if Collins wants to come back next year, hopefully like an NIT berth will maybe be what is good enough to bring him back. Northwestern hasn't been to the NCAA tournament since that magical run in 2017 when they made it uh, for the first time in program history. But Michigan State, after a pretty good start, where they competed with Gonzaga and beat Kentucky. They also have a win over Villanova and Oregon. But they're now 5-4. and four. They've now lost two games in a row, two Notre Dame and two Northwestern. And then on Wednesday night, they will go on the road to Penn State, which is not an easy place to play. Again, Penn State is better than most people realize with Micah Shrewsbury, Pickett. I love uh, the, the transfer they uh, got going on. Andrew Carr, he's playing really good basketball as well. And when you look at this Penn State team, this is a, or Andrew Funk, excuse me, getting my transfers up between, uh, getting my transfers mixed up between Andrew Funk and Andrew Carr. Andrew Carr is actually a Wake Forest. So Andrew Funk, uh, the transfer for Penn State from Bucknell, he's shooting the ball great. Seth Lundy, like Penn State has shooters. That's not going to be an easy game for Michigan State. So Big Ten Conference play, it's officially underway. And we already have just a ton of results to react to really looking forward to see just how this conference goes to start off but you have Maryland they got the win over Illinois Purdue got a blowout win over Minnesota Rutgers gets the win over Indiana Northwestern gets the win over Michigan State and there will be continuing to be Big Ten games played going forward so shout out to Rutgers shout out to Illinois those are two teams that are much better than I expected before we start off the next segment of the college Hoops Daily Podcast, presented by Betfred Sports. We want to thank our presenting sponsor and the sponsor of all things Aaron Torres Media, Betfred Sportsbook. Betfred is one of Europe's biggest sportsbooks with over 1,600 shops in the UK and have recently come to the US, and they've made a, made a splash in a big way. They are the official betting partner of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, and now the Cincinnati Bengals. More importantly, they're the perfect sponsor for us at the College Hoops Daily Podcast because they do more for their customers than anyone out there. Betfred has VIP tailgates at Broncos games, the Betfred suite at Bengals games, and no one gives out more free bonuses than Betfred. As a matter of fact, we have a special offer for our listeners and first-time users. Bet $50 on any College Hoops game, and you'll get $250 back in free bets courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbooks. To, visit, to learn more, visit BetfredSports.com. So the two main things I wanted to get to on the show were obviously the struggles of North Carolina. Following their fourth loss in a row, they go down to Virginia Tech on Sunday. And then the two results in the Big Ten, Maryland, how great they're playing. And uh, the loss by Indiana to Rutgers following their big victory over North Carolina in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. But there were a ton of of other results from the weekend that I wanted to hit on quick rapid fire style. So without further ado, here we go. Friday night, I mentioned it. There were some results in the ACC disappointing loss by NC state against Pitt. I still think Kevin Keats and his team has the guards to win and maybe be similar to what we saw from Miami last season. Just be good enough late in the season to find your way into the tournament because of guard play. And once you get in, you never know. But that's a disappointing loss for NC State, considering it was to Pitt, who just a few days ago got ran off the floor by Northwestern. And then 
Wake Forest goes down to Clemson. Clemson, I think, is better than most people realize, including myself, going into the season. P.J. Hall is a baller, one of the more underrated players in the country. He goes for 21-8. and eight. Also, like Chase Hunter, he's a big-time player. Hemingway can make some threes, especially in a bad ACC. I think Clemson is a team to watch going forward. But the big result from Friday, Baylor on a neutral floor, they beat Gonzaga 64-63. to And it's crazy because Baylor tra- trailed Gonzaga by seven, 63-56 with 133 left. Adam Flagler then hits a three with uh, 133 left right after that to cut the lead to four. And then he hits another three to cut it to one. Baylor then forces a shot clock violation, but Drew Timmy, the next possession, fouls Jalen Bridges after Flagler tried to shoot another three but missed it. Bridges hits both free throws. Gonzaga had a final chance, but Rasir Bolton, he drives, misses an off-balance shot. Baylor gets the rebound, and they get the win. Keontae George, he finishes with 18 points. Also good to see Langston Love back healthy. He finishes with 10 points off the bench for Baylor. And Gonzaga is now sitting at 5-3 and three already, their third loss of the season. Keep in mind, last season, in the regular season, how many games did Gonzaga lose in total? Yes, you guessed it. The answer was three. And when you or three or four, actually. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Four. So Gonzaga literally lost four games all of last season. And, well, that includes their loss to Arkansas in the Sweet 16. But last regular season, Gonzaga only lost three times. And already they've lost three times after this loss to Baylor, it's disappointing. And still, Gonzaga will have to host Washington. They'll have to go on the road to Alabama, which isn't going to be easy, especially after Alabama beat them last year. St. Mary's, they're still in the WCC. You got San Francisco. Gonzaga really shouldn't lose any games in the WCC. But the point is, this team clearly, we said it from the beginning, is just not as good as A, we expected, or B, compared to any Gonzaga team in the last two years. And right now, Gonzaga... They're ranked 14. I think they're much closer to back-end top 25 than being among the elite teams in college basketball. We saw what happened against Texas. They were lucky, to, or not lucky, but they were fortunate to get by Michigan State. They were fortunate to get by Xavier, had to hit a couple big-time threes in that game. And I'm pretty worried about Gonzaga and their national championship aspirations. And the reason why I say national championship aspirations is because at this point, for this program, it is national championship or bust. Anytime Gonzaga's season doesn't end in a national championship, it's going to be viewed as a disappointment. And I know that's crazy for a WCC school, but we know this isn't like any other WCC school. This is a team, a program that has been the number one overall seed in each of the last two NCAA tournaments. They just have to be better and a good win for Baylor, especially fresh off the blowout loss they took at Marquette. And that backcourt with Flagler and Cryer and George, I still believe in Scott Drew. 
and this Baylor team. I think they are going to be right there at the top of the Big 12. And all of a sudden, you, you look at the top of the Big 12. You have Baylor. You have TCU. You have Iowa State. You have Texas. The Big 12 is looking really good at the top, and it may not even be because of Kansas. And that is something we've not been able to say in recent memory. Another game from over the weekend we have to hit on South Carolina. They go on the road and beat Georgetown 74-71. to This was a crazy game because Georgetown hit, first of all, another blown halftime lead for Georgetown. They're up 37-26 to after the first half in this game and still can't find a way to win. Keep in mind, it wasn't that long ago. George, or yeah, it wasn't that long ago that Georgetown was in a similar situation. They were up by 10 at home at the half, but that was against American. And yeah, that's a game Georgetown has to win every single time, but they lose, get blown out in the second half to American. Same thing happens against South Carolina. They get outscored 39-28 in the second half by the Gamecocks. But Georgetown was actually down two in the final seconds of this game. And Primo Spears hits a gift shot. Like, I don't want to say a gift shot, but he got a lucky roll. It rolled around the rim a few times. And that ended up sending or giving Georgetown the lead. But South Carolina then gets fouled. Georgetown commits a flagrant foul when the Gamecocks are trying to pass the ball up the floor. A Georgetown defender grabs a South Carolina's player jersey. It's called a flagrant foul. South Carolina hits the free throws. The game goes to overtime and Georgetown loses. It's looking like this is going to be the end for Patrick Ewing. He reminds me a little bit of Kevin Ollie, but without the national championship for UConn and Georgetown, things just feel like they can't get any worse. They're already sitting with five losses and those five losses are to Northwestern, Loyola Marymount, American, Texas Tech, which is somewhat acceptable, and South Carolina. Georgetown will go to Syracuse uh, in the ACC before Big East play ramps up. They will host Xavier and go to UConn to start off Big East play. Just things are not looking good for Patrick Ewing right now at Georgetown. This has to be the end. And you really thought, okay, last year they lose uh, every single game of Big East play. But, okay, they bring in Brandon Murray. They bring back Kudus Wahab. Uh, maybe this team could be a little bit better in terms of pure talent. They also have a cook, a cook the UConn transfer as well, who played a little bit in this game, but things are just not looking good for Georgetown. They are clearly right now the worst team in the big East. Shout out to Syracuse. Never thought I'd say that, especially after I came on this show on Wednesday and really lit them up after their loss to Illinois, but they go on the road in ACC play to kick things off. And they actually get a nice win over Notre Dame, 62 to 61. Joe Girard, best game he's played in a minute. He finishes with 20 points, nine of 18 from the floor. And Jesse Edwards, I'll give him a shout out. I know we haven't said a ton of great stuff about Syracuse and the start to their season, but Jesse Edwards is a stud. He plays all 40 minutes in this game against Notre Dame. He finishes with 22 points, 14 rebounds on a very efficient 10 of 15 from the field. If he was on a better team, he'd be getting much more recognition. Shout out to Jesse Edwards leading to Syracuse. Uh, over to the victory over Notre Dame. And this is a disappointing loss for the Irish, considering, again, they played really well in their Big Ten ACC Challenge game against Michigan State, but Michigan State was was not healthy. You kind of wondered, okay, what is this team? Are they closer to the team that just blew out Michigan State, or are they closer to the team that lost to St. Bonaventure, a Bonnie team that lost everything from last year? And the answer might just be, yeah, Notre Dame, 
uh, that that was not that game against Michigan State. That's not really what they usually are. So nice job by Syracuse going into Purcell Pavilion and getting the victory there. Villanova, good to see them back in the whim column with Cam Whitmore back in the lineup. They beat Oklahoma 70 to 66. Whitmore, again, former top 20 freshman. He's missed the first portion of the season with an injury, but he is now back healthy, ready to go. And he played really well in this game against Oklahoma. Again, he is recovering from a thumb injury, but this was his first game back. He finishes with seven points in 20 minutes, like not a huge stat line, but good to see Caleb Daniels get going. He finishes with 22 points. And once Whitmore is back fully healthy, ready to go in a groove, that scoring combination with Daniels and Whitmore, I'm not sure if there are going to be a ton of other teams in the Big East that are going to be able to match it. And they still have Eric Dixon. Like, they still have Brandon Slater. Chris Archie Diacono even hit a couple big shots in this game. Villanova has the horses. There's no reason for them to be this bad. And Kyle Neptune, he may not be Jay Wright, but he's still a pretty good basketball coach. I'm actually impressed by Oklahoma. This was their second loss of the season. But Grant Sherfield, he could get buckets. The Groves brothers, they're really good. Each finished with 14 points. I like Jalen Hill, like Bijan Cortez, even like the young freshman they got Uzan, Sam Goodwin. He's looking like a pretty good player from Wofford, the transfer. I'm in on Oklahoma as probably a tournament team. They're going to be right there in the Big 12. I am impressed with what I've seen from Porter Mosier and his Sooners. Looking across the college basketball board on Saturday, Virginia, they beat Florida State 62-57. to No real thoughts there. Again, it's just terrible how bad and how much this Florida State program has fallen compared to recent years past because this was a team, again, that was ranked in the top 25 of a lot of preseason polls, but they've just been not good. Wisconsin, I have to give a shout-out to two guys in this game, one from each team. Chucky Hepburn was just hitting NBA-level dagger shots. He finishes with 19 points. He shoots five of six from three to give Wisconsin – the 80 to 77 victory over Marquette. And he actually left this game early, right after, right as the second half started with an ankle injury. It was a little bit of a fluky injury. He might have just rolled his ankle like as the ball was being inbounded to start the second half. But I'm a big fan of Chucky Hepper and I'm a big fan of Greg Gard and this Wisconsin team. I think they're going to be back in the NCAA tournament. And I wanted to give a shout out to Cam Jones of Marquette. He finishes with 26 points in this game. Pretty good week for Marquette overall. They split their games between Baylor and Wisconsin. And I know the Golden Eagles would have loved to have this game against Wisconsin, considering it was right there, considering they ended up coming back, but losing in overtime. But at the end of the day, I am a believer in this Marquette team. Shaka Smart continues to impress me. They are a solid, solid basketball team that I think will be in the NCAA tournament. And Cam Jones, I think he is ready officially to fill in that Justin Lewis, Daryl Morcel role. Another team from the Big East we have to give a shout out to, that's Xavier. First real big win for Sean Miller at Xavier at the Cintas Center. They beat West Virginia 84-74. to Two guys for Xavier really stepped up in this game. One was Sule Boom, the transfer from UTEP. He was really good for Xavier. I think we underrated maybe just how good this guy is. He finishes with 37 minutes played, 23 points a very efficient five of eight from the field also shoots 11 of 14 from the free throw line. And Jack Nungy from Xavier, he has a double double finishes with 17 and 14. If Xavier could just guard someone, this team is going to be really good because they could score with anyone. And you look at the remaining schedule for Xavier. They're sitting at six and three, but they will go on the road to Cincinnati 
before they kick off Biggie's play at Georgetown and hosting Seton Hall. Another result from Saturday I wanted to get to, Texas A&M. I think they're right up there for me in terms of some of the most disappointing teams in the country. They get blown out by Boise State. This was a neutral site game at the new Dickies Arena there in Fort Worth. And I know that Boise State, they're a really good program. Leon Rice is a really good coach. They ended up winning the Mountain West Tournament last year. They end up making it to the NCAA Tournament. But they lose a lot of guys from that team. They lose Emmanuel Acott. They lose Abu Kijab. And still AM just gets blown out by them. I don't know what to do with the Aggies. This team has just been very disappointing. And Buzz Williams, that rant he went on at the NIT last year saying, how dare you not put the Texas A&M Aggies into the NCAA tournament? That game uh, this season has just not been ideal for the Aggies at all. We also had Memphis. They have an impressive win over Ole Miss, beat them 68-57. I think Memphis is better than people realize. I think they're a top 25 caliber team in the American Athletic Conference. Kentucky's win over Michigan, as I apologize for that brutal car alarm that's going on in the background of this podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Apologize for that. You know, nothing you could really do with the neighbors going on there. But Kentucky, they get the win over Michigan. This was a game Kentucky really needed. It's not perfect. I think they're still going to... They still have plenty of time to get things figured out, but when you have Oscar Sheboy on the floor, that's a huge advantage. He finishes the game with 13 points and 14 rebounds. But the key for Kentucky, two things. C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves, they have to make shots. You've got to get them going. Reeves was pretty good in this game. He finishes with 11 points, but also, Cason Wallace is one of my favorite players in the country to watch. He's right up there in terms of the best freshman in the country. He finishes with 14 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. His toughness is just really impressive. It's off the charts. And this Kentucky team is really good. They needed this game. We'll see just how good they are when they take on UCLA at Madison Square Garden in the CBS Sports Classic. And Kentucky will also open up SEC play against Missouri. This was really the first important game we've seen Kentucky play in since that Michigan State game, and they came out on top. Iowa State gets a nice victory over St. John's, 70-61. to This was expected. To me, I know St. John started off their season really well, but this was a huge upgrade in terms of their level of competition. TJ Otzelberger at Iowa State, he just continues to impress. He is one of the best young coaches in the country, and I'm not going to lie, when Iowa State made that hire at first, it's not that I was against it, but I just didn't really understand like why everyone was going nuts over it, considering he didn't do anything outstanding at UNLV, right? Like He didn't get them to the tournament also, during his days at South Dakota state, the one time they made the NCAA tournament, like they lost in the first round, but TJ Otzelberger, he is the perfect fit for this Iowa state cyclone team. Caleb grill. He finishes with seven points, 10 rebounds and five assists, just a very versatile player. He could do it all. So a nice job by Iowa state. The one result we have to get to, that's just shocking. Nebraska, the team that, Year after year, really, since Fred Hoiberg has taken over, they've been labeled as the worst team in the Big Ten, and rightfully so. The wins has not been there. The production have not been there. 
They beat Creighton 63 to 53. And now this is their second win in a or really, yeah, their third win in a row. They actually ended the ESPN Invitational with a win over Florida State. They then beat Boston College in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And then yesterday they go into Creighton and win. So that's really the big signature win of the Fred Hoiberg era. Derek Walker, he finishes with 22 points and eight rebounds and only 23 minutes played. Sam Grussell, the North Dakota State transfer, who's looking like a really, really good ad for Hoiberg. He plays 39 minutes in this game, finishing with 18 points and 12 rebounds. Really good job by him. And I think when you look at this Nebraska team, they might be a little better than people expect, but Creighton, man, that's just not a loss you could afford to take. Fran Farabello, he finishes with a career or 16 points in this game. But Ryan Nebhart, only six points. He was not good in this game. Three of 13 from the field. Arthur Kaluma shoots 0 of 8 from the field. He finally looked a little bit better in that game against Texas with that Creighton loss. But the Jays need him to be more consistent. It was a little bit worrisome in, in Maui when he just did not look like himself. But if you're Arthur Kaluma, you don't make a field goal. 0 of 8 from the field. That is just not good enough. And this Creighton team might not be as good at least immediately. I think by season's end, they could still match it, but I didn't expect this Creighton team to lose three games by early December. And when you look at the upcoming schedule for Creighton, uh, you know, they still have some big games coming up. They'll take on Arizona State in Vegas. They'll also take on BYU in Vegas before they open up Big East play at Marquette. And uh, Kaluma, man, just has to be better. That's an unacceptable performance from him. We got into Michigan State losing to Northwestern. Big win for Northwestern, but maybe this Michigan State team isn't as good as we all expected after the first week of the season. Arizona State, they come up with a big victory over Stanford, 68-64. I think Jared Hass, as we said on Friday, could be on his last legs at Stanford. And Arizona State, all of a sudden, they've won six games in a row following that bad loss to Texas Southern, but in that stretch, Arizona State has beaten VCU. They've beaten Michigan. They've beaten Colorado. They've beaten Stanford. They'll go on the road to SMU on Wednesday before they will take on Creighton in Vegas on Monday, December 12th. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast. Guys, wanted to thank you so much for listening as always. You know this is the show where we will be talking all things college basketball from now until the end of the season, the Final Four in Atlanta. But the season's really starting to ramp up. College football season, the regular season, is over, meaning Saturday it's full blades ahead. A ton of really good games. There were a ton of really good games this past Saturday, but even with a championship weekend going on in college football, it, it, not everyone's focus was really on it. But the peak, the heart of college basketball season is coming. I can't wait, and you already know, we'll be discussing it all here on the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Fred Sports. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.